0: The Baby in the Straw, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Luke 2, verse 11 through 12. No greater words were ever spoken than these captured in Luke chapter 2. Salvation and redemption coming through a loving father and a fragile baby lying in a manger. The Baby in the Straw is a funny, heartwarming parable about sin, restoration, and the miracle of a loving father's forgiveness.
1: The Baby in the Straw, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. Remember back when you were young? I admit I barely can. The hourglass has transited a lifetime full of sand. Memories still beckon me, most distant now and blurred, save one I hold distinctly, as if it yesterday occurred. We lived in small-town USA and all that that infers. A simple home, a simple street, very likely much like yours. My dad worked in construction, while my mom, a stay home mother, kept the house and managed things for me, my sis, and brother. But this day was extra special, epic happenings at stake, for when the final bell would ring today, we were all on Christmas break. As excited and prepared I was for school to fade from sight, a greater thing would happen in our living room that night. Mom would cook a special meal we called Mystery Meat Sensation, Then we would get our Christmas tree and put up all our decorations. And once the room was all festooned with strings of lights complex, I'd hold my breath and wonder at what always happened next. My dad would call for silence. All our chatter, he would pause it and carefully get down a box he kept high up in the closet. He'd set it on the table and then he'd gently lift the lid and we would always ooh and ah at what that carton hid. But that's for later. This is now. I suppress anticipation as all my friends come down the street this last day before vacation. Can the clock move any slower? Each student tries with all he has to endure a day that feels just like hard time at Alcatraz. Our teacher, Mrs. Shanklin, tries to keep us settled down by reading Christmas books about the Grinch and Charlie Brown. But despite heroic efforts, she can't perpetuate the calm. In defeat, she gives us cupcakes that were baked by Eddie's mom. Until finally the bell, our ringing savior, starts to toll, and we scramble from our classroom just like convicts on parole. We reach the corner, shout so long, and head our separate ways the giddy freedom that we feel our running feet display. Sprinting up the front porch steps, the third one always creaked. I stole my books and waved goodbye to them for two whole weeks. The afternoon rolls on as I described it previously, with Mom preparing dinner while my dad brings home the tree. My brother, Keith, and I are playing army on the floor with small green soldiers that our grandma bought us at the store. We set the men up patiently, our bloodlust to indulge, as we get set to recreate the Battle of the Bulge. But before warfare can commence, a ball rolls in from the hall, striking every soldier as they scatter and they fall. There's no wonder who's to blame as our tempers quickly blister. This blatant act of terror can only be our little sister. There's the sound of giggled laughter and then the running feet But preempting acts of just revenge, Mom calls, It's time to eat. With retaliation set aside, we then all take our seats. There's mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, and, of course, the mystery meat. I contend it's tuna, while my brother claims it's pork. My father says it's wildebeest suspended on his fork. Mom pretends her outrage, but there's only mirth within her. As she declares the oxymoron, Close your mouths and eat your dinner. Laughter seasons every bite. I love that memory. Then we move into the living room to dress and trim the tree. And when the lights are shining bright, And the tinsel has been hung, My father calls for silence, Stilling all our wagging tongues. Till the only sound that can be heard, The ticking of the clocks, My father from the closet, "'takes down the Christmas box. "'Made of antique polished wood, a bygone craftsman's pride, "'deep engravings ornament the handsome lid and sides. "'Dad sets it on the table, "'this cherished box in all its glory. "'As a part of our tradition, he begins to tell a story. "'Hear this and remember.' "'His strong hands rest on the cover. "'This box was brought from Ireland "'by your grandmother's grandmother.' She was a girl of seventeen. His words were formal and flowery. T'was given to her as a portion of her wedding dowry. Soon after they were married, she and her husband, Sean O'Toole, immigrated to America, setting sail from Liverpool. Their voyage found disaster as they neared New England's tip, when in the fog they struck a rock and heard the call, abandon ship. Leaving all of their possessions, they quickly climbed into the boats, save this box which she had hidden neath her bulky winter coat. Then Dad turned the box around. See this deep and marring chip? That happened when she fell and banged the rail leaving the ship. They were rescued, brought to Boston, living long beside the water, and the box saw generations pass from mother down to daughter. So, you see, it bears our history and our family's sense of pride. But the box is just a guardian of the treasure that's inside. The moment had arrived, my father slowly raised the lid and revealed the precious heirlooms that the box faithfully hid. Nestled tightly in black velvet, each one cradled carefully, were the animals and figures of the first nativity. They were made of finest porcelain, each one formed and shaped by hand, their painted robes and faces fashioned expertly and grand. Then Mom and Dad removed them to the place they had prepared, as we looked on with envy because the handling wasn't shared. The sheep and shepherds found their place, a donkey and an ox. Then angels and three kings appeared out of the Christmas box and Joseph, Mary, both in turn, were placed beside the manger. Then Mom made slight adjustments, as she was the chief arranger. The final piece remained at last, for Mother to withdraw, and Baby Jesus, carefully, was laid upon the straw. As we all looked on in wonder, in a voice so sharp and clear, my father gave a lecture, he repeated every year, The display was just for looking. We would find ourselves in Dutch if as kids we were to handle, fondle, finger, move, or touch. We heard his admonitions and we promised, made a pact. But he couldn't see my fingers, which were crossed behind my back. For I too had a tradition, one I never will forget, with flashlights sneak out of my room and play with the nativity set. I'd add more creatures to the scene among the sheep and shepherds, plastic zebras, elephants, rhinoceros, and leopards. My Lincoln logs were utilized to make the stable grow, and the kings received an honor guard, courtesy of G.I. Joe. With Joseph, Mary, baby Jesus, I'd play for an hour or so, then gather up illicit toys, and back to bed I'd go. Thinking back, my disobedience had a very common root. It was the siren call of all mankind, and it's called forbidden fruit. The house was dark and quiet when I cracked open my door. Coming from my parents' bedroom, I could hear my father snore. And moving through the darkness with a ninja's agile gait, I was careful not to step upon the glowing furnace grate. Then, reaching little Bethlehem, and despite parental danger, I took hold of baby Jesus and deftly plucked him from the manger. With a tiny Savior clasp and held between my sweating hands, I quick retraced my steps, for this year I had other plans. I'll take him to my bedroom, let all my toys embrace him. Then, before he can be missed, I'll sneak right back here and replace him. I glided through the dimness with an acrobatic sureness and then quickly turned the corner where the hallway meets the furnace. What do you think you're doing? Came a question from the black and it startled me so much I nearly had a heart attack. My hand shot up in reflex and I jumped a time or two, which was when out of my grasp the small ceramic Jesus flew. Then I heard a fearful clatter, saw the furnace to my right "'where the little baby teetered in the glowing pilot light. "'My life then flashed before me as I mourned my sorry fate "'as the savior of mankind slipped neatly through the furnace grate. "'You are gonna get it now. You're in great big trouble, mister.' "'That disembodied voice could only be my little sister. "'I had to think of something, and I contemplated violence, "'but I reconsidered knowing that I had to buy her silence.' In our tough negotiations, she maintained the upper hand, and soon I was acquiescing to her considerable demands. I had to give her my dessert for the next 11 years. No Twinkies till I graduate from high school, it appears. But the worst of her conditions, the term that was the biggest blow, I had to let her Barbie go on dates with G.I. Joe, The deal was struck, she went to bed, but this whole thing just got stranger, as I somehow must get Jesus from the furnace to the manger. I went to fetch my flashlight, for I had to have the means to see if the little Savior had been smashed to smithereens. So clicking on the light and through a fog of dust and lint, I located the figure at the bottom of the vent. I felt a blast of keen elation from my toes right through my skull, "'Baby Jesus was intact. It was a Christmas miracle.' "'Yet the relief I found in knowing that I hadn't broke or cracked him "'was tempered by the fact that I must somehow now extract him. "'An idea then exploded in my mind like a barrage, "'and I quickly made a beeline heading straight for the garage. "'When I came back into the house, I had it all under control, "'for in my hands was my salvation. "'It was my father's fishing pole.' I released the length of line, and with a hook and sinker dangling, then engaged in what I have come to call the sport of furnace angling. It was working to perfection. I nearly had success declared, but then the thermostat kicked on, and the entire heater flared. My reactions were too slow. I I, I couldn't lift the prize in time, and so the flaring pilot light dissolved the entire fishing line. Dismayed Now, at this setback, I replaced the fishing pole with dark images of Santa Claus and a stocking full of coal. But another blaze of genius in my frozen brain soon thaws it, and I retrieve a wire hanger from the nearby hallway closet. Straightening out the hanger with my fingers and my thumb, I hurry to my bedroom for a piece of bubble gum. Masticating the consistency to that of sticky clay, I attach it to the wire and through the grate lower away. I'm sure I prayed in tongues, a language known only to God, as I aimed that wobbling hanger and its pink and sticky wad. On my very first attempt, I nearly shrieked in my success, for the gum had found the target. I must say, I was impressed. But my mood of giddy triumph became as cold as lumpy gravy when the gum came off the hanger but stayed fastened to the baby. I tried and tried again to get that gum onto the wire, but it had melted now and pooled due to the nearness of the fire. Futility encompassed me like a dark, condemning quilt as I faced my disobedience, and my selfishness, and my guilt. With a heavy, broken heart and contrite spirit filled with dread, I put back the wire hanger and went mournfully to bed. But sleep was long in coming as my conscience tossed and turned. Looking back, that was the night that lifelong lessons were hard learned. For the only way of getting Jesus to his rightful place was to humbly seek my Father and confess it to his face. When the morning sun had risen, I could feel my courage twitching as I walked up to my Father eating breakfast in the kitchen. In a pathetic, tearful voice, I told him all that I had done. I wouldn't blame you, as I cried, if you don't want me as your son. He leaned back in his chair. Several emotions crossed his face. And of all his just responses, the one he settled on was grace. Don't get me wrong, you're still in trouble. He gave my trembling head a pat. But you'll always be my son, because nothing ever changes that. And this was the beginning when I came to understand the power of forgiveness from a father's gentle hand. We both went to the furnace and he lifted up the grate. That had not occurred to me. Well, give me a break, I'm only eight. He brought the baby Jesus from the heater to the table and there we cleaned him and restored him to the manger in the stable. Let's agree we won't tell mom, he firmly said to my surprise. Some things are best unspoken and just left between us guys. From that day until he passed, no matter failure, fear, or doubt, there was nothing with my father that we couldn't talk about. For he taught the greatest lesson from his example I could draw. Only a grace-filled, loving father can place the baby in the straw.
0: Sin and disobedience are heavy burdens to carry around. For any of us who have experienced forgiveness, we know it is if a literal weight has been lifted from our hearts and from our minds. Through the gift of His Son, Jesus, God has provided the best weight loss plan ever. The Christmas season is always a great time of year to appreciate this gift. And remember, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Do you need to be forgiven? Do you need to forgive another? Let's accept and offer this gift generously, for in doing so, we honor the greatest gift ever given, the baby in the straw.